everybody. Welcome to Busy Living So Bah. Busy Living So Bah. Busy Living So It is episode 215 with Sparkle Lindsay. Hi, Sparkle. Hey, Busy. How are you? You know, I am actually doing very well today. Thank you. The sun is shining. You know, there's, I don't even think there's a cloud in the sky where I am. Life is pretty good. How are you? Well, you know, I'm from Denver, Colorado. Uh, we just had our first snowstorm. So how is that? <laughs> well, now, you know, we have 365 days of sun. So we had a snowstorm yesterday. And today we are currently at 45 degrees and the sun is out and things are melting, but we are still, still freezing cold here. <laughs> and, but I think it helped with it's the fires. Did this, did this help with the fires? Yes, tremendously. Yes, it did. It helped with the fires. Um, you could see where a lot of the snow that was falling was getting rid of like mountains and mountains of fire. So it was definitely came as a blessing, no doubt about it, you know? Yeah, I love that. God always has an answer. He comes down and gives us a little mother nature to have, right? We needed it. He was like, I'm right on time for you guys. He definitely was. <laughs> so tell us, Sparkle, will you tell us about your journey and how you how you got to here and I love that you're a follower of Busy Living Sober and that you reached out and you're like I want to tell my story and I'm like all right come on on tell tell us your story you know um I am getting ready to be a little over I'm not, I'm going to be a year and a half sober here November 4th so um I am so pumped you know yeah. They talk about the seasons of recovery and we just had a big class on it. And the seasons of recovery and where I'm at um, have just been awesome at meeting myself where I'm at during my journey, you know, recently. And uh, I can say that the story that I have um, for myself, um, it brings tears to my eyes because I'm able to look back at all the things that I have been through, but all the things that I have just been trudging through. Mm. emotions, love for myself, self-esteem versus self-confidence, all of these different things. And to then wind up as a certified licensed recovery coach for Springs Recovery Connection. So um, little did I know being an executive of three big box companies and leaving all of that behind would lead me right here, which is right when I say, you know, my higher power was right on time, you know? Mm. So um, my journey kind of starts out with me being a college basketball player. Um, I didn't drink a lot. Um, I didn't drink a lot at all till I was about 24. Uh, my first drink was Mike's Heart Lemonade. I had two of them and I got so sick. <laughs> I got so sick, busy. <laughs> and um, I was like, I don't know about this drinking thing, you know, um, too much for me and I was about 21 actually when that happened and uh, I was in the middle of my college season and I started getting really really sick um, things were attacking my body uh, my eye drooped really badly um, and my coaches they thought I was pretty crazy because you could see things happening but they weren't sure if it was you know me being lazy they were not sure and uh, come to find out I dropped from 140 to 107 in a week and a half. 
things were attacking my muscles and I was later placed in a wheelchair for about six to eight months for them to figure out what was wrong with me. And little did I know that uh, they said I'd never walk again and I would never play. Um, I'd never play another year of basketball again. Um, not once did I cry through any of this. And I looked at the doctor and I said, I'll be back and you can sign my permission slip to play again. <laughs> so obviously I went through that. Um, I tried all kinds of different tricks to the trade to walk. Um, I got, I started being able to walk and then I got stuck in places where people would have to help me, you know, like I'd go up the stairs, but then I'd be like, dang, I can't get down. <laughs> and I tried to do it real, real sneaky wise, you know, cause everybody who was watching me was like, Sparkle, you're not supposed to be doing that. So when I get stuck on the stairs, they'd be like, she did it again. And I'm like, can you please help me get down? <laughs> so you know, little did I know I was going to actually go ahead and get back into intramural ball. And from there, uh, I retaught myself to walk. I played another two years of college ball, uh, tried out for the WNBA. Um, I was getting ready to sign to the Sparks, and um, I turned it down. Uh, my body had been through a lot, and come to find out, they diagnosed me with myasthenia gravis, which is a muscular inflammatory condition. And then they went further to diagnose me with polymyositis because they didn't know what other condition um, I had accumulated from all of this. So um, basically my body was fighting all of my muscles. Um, a muscle enzyme count in somebody with myasthenia gravis uh, is usually when they know something's wrong is 1500 um, for athletes and for regular people, 50 to 500 is the max. So I had 1500 in an overabundance of muscles. And so my white blood cells were trying to fight off the muscles and attacking me so that, you know, I could, you know, my muscles would, I would go back to normal. So it was a really interesting thing, very rare condition. Um, and then from there, uh, like I said, I never cried through it. You know, back in the day, you know, my father never told me don't cry. But we always, uh, especially being an African-American woman, um, we've always been the ones to fix it. We've been strong enough to get through it. And I'm the oldest of five. Yeah. And uh, I've got three brothers and a sister. So uh, them watching me go through that was really scary for them. Uh, but I never gave up. You know, I never gave up, pushed myself through it, uh, ended up becoming an executive for three big box companies. Uh, I ran teams of two to 3,000 people through remodel, coordinating, and so forth uh, through retail. Uh, and out of nowhere, I was laid off. I'm from JCPenney's, but I ran their, H I ran their HR program, uh, been in HR for 13 years at that point. And I ended up jumping on with King Supers, had so many accolades, things were going great, but I also was single and I had a lot of money <laughs> and I didn't party during the college seasons because I played ball so much. So when it got down to being able to party, um, I definitely partied, but I couldn't drink. Remember, I could drink. <laughs> so uh, I was introduced to cocaine 
um, at a very early age, at 25, which helped me be able to drink more. And during that time, uh, you know, I had friends that came out of college that were already drinking a lot more than me. We moved in together. We just, we were living our best lives. We were traveling all over the place, drinking, doing all of those things. Uh, but little did I know, I remember my mom saying, even a little bit of alcohol, um, be careful with, because our family has it in their genes. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I can barely drink. It doesn't matter. And uh, before you know it, I just started drinking a lot, a lot more, partying a lot more. And next thing you know, um, I started realizing that I kind of needed it. You know, like I was looking forward to the drinking piece. I was looking forward to, um, I was getting all these accolades and I was doing great, but it was always something about the party and what was next, you know? Um, and the people that I was with, they were right there with me, you know, and little did I know they were dragging me down. I was dragging them down. And before you know it, we just became a bunch of people drinking and it wasn't getting too nice. You know, it was getting pretty, pretty dirty, pretty grimy. You know, I found myself running after the high, you know, I'd be at, at work and then be like, but I got to call my dealer to have time to actually physically get the cocaine so that we have time to party to drink so then we can stay up all night to then follow this same thing over and over and over again, just exhausted, you know? And um, I had a really big thing happen to me. I was at work and uh, I had an associate who needed some help and I had found help for him. And he walked by me and I got this feeling that wasn't, wasn't too good. It was a pretty, dark energy feeling for me. So I told him I had some good news for him and he went to the bathroom. And when I came back uh, to see him, cause I noticed he was taking a long time. I opened the door to the bathroom uh, and he killed himself. Oh my God. And I fainted. And then from there, um, they took us through these classes uh, to deal with this. So it was trauma that I had never dealt with. And, and little did I know, I probably had a lot of trauma. You know, I had retaught myself to walk. All these things I never cried about, never, okay? I just kept moving. Distracting myself from the anxiety, mm -hmm. right? And just going through the motions, but working through the motions and winning, but still not revisiting my anxiety. You know, so all along I'm going through this. Then I started having nightmares, you know, about this. Can you hear me okay? Now I can. You started okay. having nightmares. You yeah, I was having nightmares. So I was drinking in the mornings and I was drinking through the nightmares. And I started getting uh, a lot of pains in my body as well. So remind you, I had two conditions with muscle weakness, but they never knew what the second condition was. So ultimately, all of a sudden, probably a month after these nightmares started, I was diagnosed with lupus. Oh my gosh. So I ended up with a total of four autoimmune conditions. And I'm just gonna revisit back to that whole anxiety piece and disassociating from it. Just because I disassociated from the anxiety, doesn't mean the anxiety went anywhere. So ultimately that anxiety was festered inside. And the only way it could come out is through these autoimmune conditions I have now, you know, holding on to all of this. So 
uh, learning that now has just been a blessing. But before I had been holding all of that in. So after I got done, fine, we found out lupus was going on. I had to go through a form of chemo. So I was giving myself a shot and taking shots to reward myself for the shot I gave me. <laughs> Along with having nightmares and <laughs> going to work. <laughs> I don't know how I lived. I do not know how I'm alive right now at 35 years old, giving myself shots and taking shots as a reward. Just where the mind goes when it just wants this alcohol, you know, when it just wants it. And at that point I had stopped the cocaine, but my alcohol flew, it just went crazy. It skyrocketed due to trauma and everything else. Mm -hmm. So I finally got to work, you know, um, I remember giving a speech, uh, a huge one, and it was for feeding the human spirit. And I was so intoxicated before I gave the speech um, I think I had like six shooters before I went on and I gave the speech and I got done and everybody was like, sparkle, you did so great. And they said, meet us for happy hour. And I'm like, okay, I'll meet you guys there. And I remember I passed out in my car, uh, and my ex fiance, he had to come get me. Didn't know where I was. So two weeks later, busy. <laughs> They go, Sparkle, your speech is on the front of Kroger. And I'm like, what speech? Oh. <laughs> I don't even remember the speech, okay? I, <laughs> I'm like, we can ready to go look at this speech. And um, oh my God, please, please let make sure this speech is okay. I am just sweating bullets. <laughs> so I get up there and I realize after the speech, a standing ovation. And I knew then I was like, I gotta go get some help. Because if I could give somebody this type of feeling, being sober and actually seeing their faces and not being, you know, messed up while I do it, this could change lives. Mm. You know? And um, so they were gonna promote me and they said, We got a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar job we wanna give you. And I was like, went in there. <laughs> <laughs> drunk, by the way. And I said, you know what? I'm going to turn it down. I got to go get me some help. So I get back in the car and I'm like, oh my God, I just turned down $125,000 uh, a, a year. What in the heck is wrong with me? But I was so drunk. I got on the phone. I called my mom and I said, I just need some help. I can't, I can't do this to myself anymore. You know, I'm, I'm worth it. And this isn't it. I said, and if they could put a, put a bar in the back, as long as I keep making results, it's not about me. It's about their numbers, you know? Mm -hmm. So it went about two weeks and I ended up going up to gamble with my ex-fiance. We got into a fight. I swung at him. The cops came and got me from the casino. I blew a .4. Went into jail trying to tell people how they can organize their system in the jail better <laughs> so they could get me in faster. I mean, <laughs> just tell them the organization piece here is just not okay. They were like, what is wrong with her? And I was blowing a point forward and talking like I had been doing this and I was so used to it that you couldn't even tell if I were drunk or not. 
you know, and uh, got to jail, ended up, uh, was in there for a few days. And I called, uh, you know, my aunt, who's also in recovery. And I said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And so I went into transformation. I went, she told me I had to go to one place for a month. And I thought I was good. I thought I was like, yeah, I've been there a month. I'm good to go. I'm gonna go get my job back. And then all of a sudden this big black van was outside and they were like, are you Sparkle? And I was like, who is this? <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't wanna go to no more treatment, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I ended up going to Peaks Recovery in Colorado Springs. And boy, oh boy, did I go in on myself. I hadn't cried busy in 13 years. Mm. I had not cried in 13 years. And I just remember in treatment planning my escape. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> planning, I was planning my escape. I'm 35 years old. I said, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You can just walk out of here if you want. You put yourself in here. <laughs> Maybe you need to stay. This is me talking to myself, you know? So I said, okay, I think I better stay. And sure enough, I had a big, big thing with my family. You know, I talked to them about, you know, my perfectionist situations and how I was learning about progress over perfection. You know, they made the comments to me that I was their world. I was, and I still am, their superwoman. Mm -hmm. And it hit me. You know, I cried for like three days straight, went to work out while in treatment and had a TIA. I had a stroke. Um, <clears throat> and I'm prone because of lupus, I'm prone to blood clots. So um, had a stroke in treatment, didn't even realize it. So I was still moving around like everything was fine and I was not all there. And uh, from that day you know, forward, I did a lot of work on my trauma. Uh, I did a lot of work on my somatic experience. I did a lot of neurofeedback. Um, I've done a whole lot of stuff about mindfulness and recovery. And I have done a lot of stuff around meditation and working on my eight dimensions of wellness. And um, I promised myself I would go in on myself and check myself at the door every chance I get just so that I could be the best me for me. I had to let go of everything else and relinquish control and get to business, you know, and get to me. So I got to business, got to me, and then I ran into Springs Recovery Connection. And I was like, you mean to tell me I can walk alongside people and help them figure out their journey and help them be the best they can be for them? I just found just I found so much in that knowing that I had run teams of people and making goals for big companies, you know, making those results I said, you know, what about well, it's time for me to start making some goals for me, you know, mm -hmm. and why not help people figure out where they fit in their puzzle. Oh. And that emotions are temporary. They're not permanent, you know, and uh, since then, that is what I've been doing. So it's been a definitely a role for me through my journey. And I've been so blessed to go through it. But one big portion that I had to let go of was letting my family know that I can no longer be their world. The world is just too big. That's a lot to ask of someone. 
And I definitely can't be Superwoman because Superwoman is not real, you guys. <laughs> but I mean, in the movies, she's pretty, she's pretty cool. But like in real life, I, I think people should use that. Because <laughs> you know, when you grow up with that, you begin to believe that that's what you should be and you need to be. And to carry that stigma is difficult, you know? So learning that and knowing that being a strong black woman is great, but I prefer to be a black woman of many strengths and walk alongside people holding their own stuff as well. It just makes us stronger and more infectious, especially in this battle of sobriety, you know? So that, that's kind of my story there. <laughs> well, I have to tell you for one, you're like amazing. Like to Aww. think about when you were first talking about like being, you know, for one, I was in awe that you played basketball for college. That's a pretty big deal. Like most people don't do that, right? Okay, most people want to be really great athletes and then to get an offer to even play professional ball, that's not happened to many people. So I was like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Then you <laughs> talk about how you encountered your coworker had just, you know, killed himself. That must've been, I mean, I can't even. And then- to realize finally, like, I've got to get help. I've got to get help. I've watched this video of myself and I am there and I'm at the top, I'm quote unquote, at the top of my game and I'm got nothing. I got nothing. I know how that feels. And it is most, it's like the, it's the liberating thing. Cause that's when it, that's when it's like, you know what? I want to change. I don't want to be this person that's just standing there as being everybody else's person, right? I have to ask you, what happened to the fiance? Actually, so after I left my um, ex-fiance, we would have been together and married uh, October 15th this year. And uh, our anniversary for four years was October 9th. After I went to treatment, he acted like the not nicest person ever. He hated that I was going to treatment, but he's an alcoholic as well. So... After I left, I left everything I had busy. I left my family, my life, and I moved to Colorado Springs to my sober community. And I was like, I'm creating the legs to my table to help me get through this. I have to. And uh, sure enough, right now he is 10, 10, 11 months sober right now. So he, <laughs> so he is definitely living his life. He told me, I can't let this woman be doing all of this almost a year and a half sober and not one piece of me thinks I need to change for myself either. So the fact that he saw me put into action what I wanted to in my life and he knew that it was something that needed to be done. I had to leave and I had to figure out what makes me tick, why I drink, what's going on with me so that I could be better with the basic essentials, communicating, patience, love, kindness, understanding, and compassion. I had lost all of that. And so he saw me slowly but surely finding my authentic self. And he just, you could see him light up as he started seeing it more and more, kind of like, well, I want that too. Wait a minute. <laughs> You're not leaving me behind. <laughs> so till this day, I'm really excited for him. Both of us are, you know, the codependency thing is a big work through and also not only that but boundaries and expectations for one another so the time spent away from each other has given us time to work our own journeys and grow 
And whatever is to happen with that will happen. But right now I am so, so blessed that both of us are able to look at our year and a half, 11 months and say, whew, we are on fire. We're busy. You know, we're busy, busy right now. <laughs> well, I think that's so huge because so many people, for one, equate being successful by the fact that you had gotten that job offer for $125,000. And most people, especially at 35, you're probably 34 when you got that offer, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and you're probably 34, 30, maybe even 33. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're young and you're like, okay, my whole world's supposed to be about the bling. Well, this is going to buy me the bling. This is going to give me everything that I got on the outside. It's going to give me all those labels and everything else. But on the Mm -hmm. inside, I'm dying. And the fact that you took yourself out of, that takes a lot of courage, wouldn't you say? Oh, man, you, if, you know, I've always been a person that has said, my dad taught me this. He said, it's neither good nor bad. It just is what it is, right? (laughs) And when I was younger, I was like, okay, dad, whatever. Now I'm like, he is so right. The gift of being and finding happiness where you stand can no money take can no money take me out of my happiness. My tears of happiness are the greatest things I've ever seen in this year and the spiritual enlightenment that I have allowed myself to see giving myself permission to see this and feel this and watch myself evolve is better than any $125,000 promotion I could ever have. Cause can't nobody take this away from me, busy. <laughs> I love it. I love your spirit. Okay. But doing this, like with your family, like what are you doing? You're actually leaving and moving to Colorado Springs. Yes. Like how many, how far away? That's like an, what? Three hours away. It's about an hour away. But that's you know, they something. didn't realize it, but I had to tell them too. Yeah. I had to tell them straight up. You guys are triggers for me. And they said, what? I said, soon as I said, I'm going to be a recovery coach, you guys were like, okay, we're going to help you make the business cards. And we're going to, I was like, y'all triggered me and I had only seen you for like 10 minutes. (laughs) They were like, oh, too much. I'm like, yeah, way too much. I just now got into the thing. Just hold on a second. Let me, let me live my life, you know? And So the fact that they, uh uh-huh. I was going to say, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, how did they, because you mentioned that boundaries, those boundaries are so difficult, especially in the family dynamic, especially if you weren't raised with them. And moms don't always like their daughters to say to them, oh, excuse me, I'm going to do, mom, you need to stay over there in your lane. They're like, excuse me, you're my, you know? Yes. You know, um, the best way that it worked um, for one is my family, you know, my father and them, they, once they knew I was going for treatment, they knew that I was going to need them to be a part of the treatment Mm -hmm. because there were things that they had that they were upset at me for. And there were things that, you know, I didn't even realize they were upset, but more so they were scared. You know, they were scared. You know, my brothers and sisters were like, knowing that my big sister's going through alcohol addiction and she's not beating it right now. What if I have a problem? What am I going to do? They were scared. So I had to let them know. You trust in your big sister when all these great accolades happen. And with the good comes the bad, but it is what it is. I said, so I know that right now you guys been holding the torch for me, but I come to take my torch back in my life with it. And if you guys are willing to take that step with me, 
I will be humble to say thank you. But those that are not, watch me work because I ain't stopping, you know? And they, they immediately knew. They know when their big sister's on a mission, you know, my dad, when his daughter's on a mission, I'm on a mission. And this is a mission for me to take my life back, you know? And doing that through my actions, speaking to them, um, talking about my feelings, you know, checking myself daily and saying, you know, hey, I'm not, I'm feeling pretty weepy today. You know, or I'm, I'm feeling icky. You know, I'm sitting in these emotions. I need to hold space for myself. These are all things that have helped me set boundaries. And they have even started using these words, you know, like sparkle, I'm feeling irritable today. Okay, well, I'll call you back. You know, I'll meet you where you're at and call you back, right? <laughs> so utilizing and using these um, these tactical, um, cool, cool coping mechanisms for myself have helped me be able to sit in whatever I can by knowing why I drink, you know, by realizing the things that trigger me, um, being able to revisit my anxiety and walk through it. You know, um, these are all a practice, you know, meditating and doing what's best for me is the only thing that I can say can, will keep me sober, you know, knowing what I need in my life. And if I have the courage to change the things I can with myself, everything else will fall into place, you know, but it's that work, that work that has to be done to realize how you can be better for you. You know, everything else will work if you do that. Amen to that. Okay. It's really figure. I love it. And you talked about the eight elements. I know you okay. mentioned them really. And I want to hear about them again. So if the listeners don't, because I kind of want to hear them. So tell me. So there is, so with recovery coaching, let me just put it this way. When you get a chance to walk alongside somebody that is fighting for their life and they don't know where to start, the big piece to helping them is by first starting with the bases and getting them the legs to their table. See, we know that a table cannot stand without legs. It can't stand with one leg, it can't stand with two, but it can stand with three or four, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're able to help somebody find the resources to not just have a sponsor, but also have a recovery coach and also maybe have a therapist, and then maybe even have a psychiatrist. Oh wait, and a community. You got five legs to a table that give you some balance. Mm. You got somewhere to start. And so once you get there and you start creating your routine around the balance of that table, you then start to realize that I'm not using and drinking anymore, I'm living. And that's where the eight dimensions of wellness come in. Because you might not be drinking, but if you are having problems with your emotional wellness, you might still be doing the same behaviors. You're just not using. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You be curious about yourself, curious about that emotional behavior, and you work through it. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, creating the recovery package you need to become a better you for you. Mm -hmm. And so it's so cool because there's just so many resources, multiple pathways to recovery now, you know, and you can have a, a bit and a piece of all of it. But as you focus on those eight dimensions, when we talk about environmental wellness, where you're living, if you're living in an environment where people are using, it's going to be really hard to get sober. 
right? Or what about if you need peace? You know, for me, I've found that I'm an empath. And there's times when I just need to be by myself. Noise, anything drives me crazy. You know, I need that time to hold space for myself. And then, you know, pulling feelings list. Create, be creative with yourself and how you're feeling. Learn new words about yourself. So that when you talk about yourself, you truly are giving a visual element of what you're going through today. <laughs> so people can approach you right, you know? So your mental well-being, if you are, you know, I deal with a lot of people with dual diagnosis, but if you're a person who doesn't know what's going on psychiatric-wise, if you may be manic and you don't know you're bipolar, how can you stop that if you don't know? Mm. So being curious about yourself and figuring out the things that are working and they're not help prepare you for any particular cravings or triggers you may have because you're aware of it. You know, the gift of awareness is a blessing. And the gift of being mindful of yourself and others is, is exponential. You know, we just don't, we don't know it. So when you finally get an opportunity to try all these different resources out on yourself and figure out what makes it best for you it, it's just it's just enlightening it's just very it's a spiritual enlightenment it really is <laughs> and it takes a little time doesn't it it takes a little time to figure out what it is that makes you tick and what it is that works for you correct because some things yes. thought would work and they don't work. And then you just throw in the towel. You're like, forget about it. I'm done. I tried that. It's done. I'm, I'm just going to pick up a drink, forget it, or pick up a drug and I'm going to be done with it. Exactly. And I've got a lot of people who will say, you know, I am sparkle. I, I, sorry, I don't say the word relapse. We have a new language in recovery, but um, I have had a reoccurrence, you know, and I will say, well, then let's research it what research your reoccurrence research it what were you doing at the moment that you decided to pick up that drink what was going on what were you feeling were you craving how did it feel and then when you know that jump back on the horn and know that when it comes again you'll be ready for it because you've researched it you know what's going on you are now curious about yourself and one element that makes you tick but the ultimate piece is, is that if we have a test, let's say busy, you took a test and you failed it. You don't just say, well, forget it. I'm never taking any test again, ever. No, you figure out what you got wrong on the test. You retake it and you ace it. So it's no different than recovery. Sometimes and in life, we're going to make, we're going to make the wrong decisions. It's inevitable, but oh. they're not always wrong. They're not always wrong, you know, no, especially, it, huh? I was gonna say, especially if we learn from it, they're not wrong. They're blessings. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Wow. You are amazing. I'm going to, I am really, I, I can't wait to see where you are like literally a year from now. And then five years from now, I just see this just, I, what you've morphed into and what God has brought you to be. It's just amazing. It's just, and your passion. I can feel it through this screen. I love it. I, it's, you're like me. It's crazy. It's like all about getting busy, living sober, isn't it? It's I think it's that infectious energy, you know, that energy that we 
sometimes ignore that energy is infectious. And I think I feel your energy as well, but the compassion and just, just the blessings that I've had to be able to go through another day. You know, um, I sent a quote out that says, uh, today will never come again. And then I said, so what you gonna do with it? <laughs> Cause that's about where we're at right now, busy. <laughs> is it truly is what are we going to do about it and the fact that you took this time to take care of yourself and figure out what was important and what wasn't and mm -hmm. instead of letting all those diagnoses take you down you were like you know what no i'm gonna i'm a fighter i'm i'm a survivor and i like that you know it's kind of like that song i am a survivor it's it, uh, it, it's amazing it's amazing and that you're helping people today is just that, that is just amazing. I love it. And I think busy in the helping with people phase. Oh my goodness. I mean, I have never felt so much happiness. I mean, my aunt, my aunt always said, when your emotions start getting crazy and you just feel like she said, just take a nap. Okay. So, <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I got like six and seven, eight different recoveries that are just blossoming. I mean, we're talking 12 months of sobriety, 10 months, they're getting jobs, they're rocking, right? And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm so excited like for them, you know, cause I'm watching them take their life back. And they're like, what do you think? And I was like, I just gotta take a nap because <laughs> I've never been so happy, you know? <laughs> This is this, it's inside of me, you know? It is. So it definitely helps me with my growth, watching people constantly, constantly fighting to take their lives back. It is just empowering. And it's just something that I encourage everyone to do. You help somebody, just, just sit in it and realize how it makes you feel when you help someone be better for themselves. It is amazing. It is a great feeling. <laughs> the best feeling. That's why I do this. Why? This is the only right. I'm not doing this for any money. This is just because I want right. one more day and just get that feeling of being like, I am enough. I don't need yes. to stop that drink or that drug because I am yep. enough. And I do have stuff that went on in my past. And I did, I did, I did, maybe not, maybe I didn't weather that the best way I could have done it. Cause I just mm -hmm. stood there and took it. And now I need to take a deep breath yes. and let it go and get somebody to get, get together with somebody you trust. And um, it's, you seem like somebody I would trust, I have to say, because yep. I'm like, look at you and yep. your passion and you've been through it. You've walked the walk. You're not just, you know what I mean? And you know what else? It's all about busy meeting yourself where you're at, okay? And giving yourself grace while you do it. Mm -hmm. That word grace is so, so important. And a lot of times we don't know what that means when we start. But the more that I have been through recovery and giving myself grace and saying, I am enough and I'm human. I did my best. I'm doing my best. That's all that matters, right? That's what we're here for. And so ultimately we lose sight of that and we got to rear ourselves back in. We got to reel ourselves back in and really know that no matter what, if we did our best, that's the that's 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 what we're here for because we only got today to do it. <laughs> we ain't got no yesterday and tomorrow ain't here yet. So as far as I'm concerned, every moment, every second in the present matters and ultimately that's all I have, you know, that's all I have. 
Amen again, sister. Oh my God. I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you. I just, will you keep it? Will you keep me in the loop? And maybe a year from now you'll come back on. Oh yes. I'll keep you in the loop. Please, please let me know how you're doing. And congratulations on, you know, it's a week from tomorrow, isn't it? November 4th, a week from yes, tomorrow. And it's, it's so amazing. Thank you so much again for coming on. And it's been a pleasure getting to know you and hearing your story. And I, it's just, you're, you are a survivor, baby. And I love it. I love it. You're a I'm warrior. You're a warrior. <laughs> we, hey, I got several warriors behind me. You're one of them now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, we all need each other. We can't do this by ourselves. Oh, that yes, for sure. We cannot do this, but we need each other. And the fact that you just told everybody that you took time off your entire life and had the courage to say no to the job and the courage to say, yep. And when the black van came outside and you're like, <laughs> oh my God, do I go in there or am I going to run? I got to get my, oh, my daughter. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, wait a minute. Nobody said there was going to be a black van. Now, wait. <laughs> Now, hold up. I'm supposed to be done. I'm about to be home with my puppies. I, I got to go in there. Okay, where are we going? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, those moments, I just sat there. <laughs> well, I'm here now, you know. <laughs> I might as well take this ride too. I don't know where it's going, but I'm ready to sign up. Exactly. Because the choices I made got me here. And I guess I don't make very good choices. So I think somebody else better be in charge. Wait, but busy. Then I said I was plotting escaping. <laughs> <laughs> now you know, you know that's not right. <laughs> plotting. Okay, we're gonna go this way and then we're gonna go. I said, okay, I need to be in here. I need to be here. Something right, you know, <laughs> but your willingness, I mean, that is the hardest part because so many people are just too scared and yes. the fact that your faith and your ability to say, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing this, even though it feels really, really, really uncomfortable. Oh, I'm just yeah. going to keep going with it. And you think of it, people say it, and I say it in a lot of my meditations that I, you know, do in the mornings. Oh, the gift of learning how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm. man of man. If you can do that, you're halfway there because we are all uncomfortable in some way. But when you really learn how to be comfortable in that skin and just walk through it, oh man, you're getting there. It's working, you know? <laughs> It is. It's amazing. It's amazing. It just, it's just <laughs> able to let go and just be like, thank you. Thank you. Because today it's a beautiful day. Just like we started off. Oh yes. my gosh. Well, big hugs. Stay hugs. safe. Stay healthy in Colorado. Okay. Yes. Big kisses. Stay safe. And until next time, everybody keep getting busy living sober. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye busy. See ya.